Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. We've changed our formula so many times now. And at each juncture, uh, it's very subtle. Uh, so a lot of times people don't know. But if you were to try a version of our product from 2016 and compare it to today, there's like no similarity. Interesting. They're entirely different. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Bonza is a chickpea pasta with the bright orange boxes that have become nothing short of a phenomenon, changing the way we think about gluten-free pasta night forever. I am a legit fan of the rotini and penne, as well as the brand's expansion into pizza, and invited Bonza's founder, Brian Rudolph, into the studio. We talk about the founding of the company, how he landed on the iconic branding, and what makes a great pasta sauce. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Brian Rudolph, welcome to This Is Taste. Thanks for having me. It's so cool. I get to finally meet a Bonza boy. <laughs> okay. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Okay, so this is an inside joke with my wife. I when I when During the pandemic, and probably in 19, I kept buying Bonza because I loved the packaging. I loved the product. But I kept putting on Instagram stories. I was like in this like, let's show what I'm cooking thing. And I was always like hanging with the Bonza boys. And it like literally drove my wife nuts because it's kind of corny. But. You are one of them. Wow. Wow. Uh, thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, appreciate the support. It means a lot. No, I, um, I, I really do want to ask you a lot about the brand and about your journey here uh, to over 25,000 stores and uh, growing even more. Um, it's, it's a remarkable story, mostly because gluten-free pasta was terrible forever and no one really gave it the serious shake, but in food and food media or, or, or wherever – but you were able to break through with a product. Um, but I want to ask you, the first question is, when you're thinking about creating a chickpea pasta, is it texture first or is it flavor first? Oh, my God, it's both. Yeah, I yeah. Know. It's, it's hard to pick one or the other. I feel like there are actually two camps in our company. Some people who think that texture is most important. Some people who think the flavor is most important. I probably lean a little bit flavor, but... Um, you you can't have one without the other, and sometimes one affects the perception of the other, so both. Yeah, okay. So both, but but still, getting them both right, there's always a challenge in making gluten-free pasta, and certainly you don't lead with the term gluten-free. It's called chickpea pasta, bonza. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how did you get it to actually not dissolve in hot water? Uh, it's been a journey. Um, so originally I was making the product in my kitchen, and at that point I tried so many different things to get it to hold together. Um, the first version, I think, was chickpeas and eggs, and then uh, wanted to figure out if there was a way to make it vegan, and so started playing around with different egg substitutes. Uh, and it was so many different trials, and uh, eventually got to something that's actually pretty similar to what we sell today. And um, that said, uh, it is 
still a journey. I mean, I was just trying a version of our product that uh, is an improved version uh, or an attempt to be an improved version two days ago. Uh, and our hope is to consistently improve the product every six months to a year because yeah. uh, the the journey just never ends. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you're always iterating. You have a bunch of new products too. It's not just dried pasta. Pasta is so fundamental. Dry pasta, it's like in our diets, we make so much of it all the time. Um, but when you launched it, you realized there was a big hurdle, right? And I kept saying, like, gluten-free had a reputation. How did you realize that you could change the narrative right away? Yeah, um, a few things. Um, but I think the primary one was uh, we started at farmer's markets. We used to do uh, a farmer's market called Eastern Market in Detroit. And uh, it was amazing. It was, like, the best possible way to get a ton of feedback really quickly. And uh, in that process, we would try different narratives, try to see what we could we could uh, say to get people to try the product, just come over and, and try a sample. And if we said the words gluten-free, most people ran away. Uh, if we said <laughs> the words high protein, uh, that would get more people to come in. Uh, if we said high fiber, that would also uh, be interesting, especially for a pasta product. Uh, so it was really just uh, a, a a function of trial and error. And and you're right. I mean, when we did it in 2015, uh, where we didn't put gluten-free on the front of our packaging, a lot of people told us it was really dumb. Like, really? Pretty consistently, we would hear yeah. from retailers, it'd be like, nobody's ever going to know what your product is. Like, how is anyone ever going to know to buy this? Um, and we had to have a, a, a level of trust that the word chickpeas to a person who is looking for an allergen-friendly product would say what it needed to say mm -hmm. without explicitly saying the words gluten-free. And then for everyone else who would see a product labeled as gluten-free as inferior, uh, they would realize, oh, actually, this wasn't designed purely to be allergen-friendly. It's designed for all these other reasons. Yeah, it and it might be, be for me. Tastes good, yeah. for one. Yeah. And also be high in, in protein. I think that was like a big draw for me personally. I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, Easter Market's a great market. I that's love it. I've been there a bunch of times. And, you know, when you're selling it, what was the branding like? Because I know we'll get into Gander and your your launch and this this orange box. That's like, holy shit, amazing. But, like, what was the branding like initially? Yeah, uh, it was directionally similar to what we have now, but like way, uh, way worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, way worse. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but, but I think that was always our, uh, our thought process is to uh, just get something out into the world uh, and very quickly get feedback and then iterate on it. So the first version of our packaging had similar messaging, but maybe the hierarchy was a little bit off. Um, there was a mix of colors as opposed to right now we have this just very loud, bright orange. Mm -hmm. It was more like sunset tones and mm. a little bit of white. Uh, I think uh, what we landed on is um, has, has made a huge difference uh, for the trajectory of our business. I heard that you switched the formula midstream in the middle of launching this this company. What is that like? I mean, what was what was missing that you were able to course correct? Yeah, I mean, we we've changed our formula so many times now, um, and, and at each juncture, uh, it's very subtle. Uh, so a lot of times people don't know. But if you were to try a version of our product from 2016 and compare it to today, there's like no similarity. Interesting. They're entirely different. Um, and at each iteration, it's something subtle, um, but it has, uh, in some 
made a huge difference on uh, particularly texture, uh, but also taste. Yeah, I mean, texture is why I, I, I mean, I love the texture. It, it really Thanks. takes me to a place that I'm like, I'm not missing much yeah. from uh, traditional gluten pasta. Um, but I, I do want to ask you about that orange because at this point, it's Bonza orange. It's its own color. And you worked with an agency called Gander. I'm going to link to a story in the show notes. We profiled a couple of the founders there. And Gander's done a bunch of CPG and, and and really made a name for themselves with the Bonza, with your brand. How the hell did you get up, come up with this packaging that became so iconic? Yeah, it was a partnership. Um, we had learned so much from Eastern Market and the things that we were finding um, would, would cause people to, to be interested in the product. Uh, and we basically said, uh, if we're not there to sell it in person, if we're not at the farmer's market in in people's, uh, you know, purview, uh, what do we wish the packaging would say if we're not there? And uh, that ended up being the same hierarchy we have today, where uh, protein, for the most prominent thing is the brand. Um, it's very minimal, um, and it has this bright orange, uh, which is a huge contrast to pasta, which is just this sea of blue. Um, so, uh, and then protein and fiber. So, um, I, I think that, uh, it was a combination of our understanding of what needed to be said and their unbelievable ability to, um, yeah. have a, like taste <laughs> and, uh, yeah. a sense for aesthetic. Uh, and I think when, when combining those two, um, you know, it, it ended up where we are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's remarkable that, when you thought about the pasta, you know, the dry pasta section previous to Monza was blue. All blue. Yeah. Like what, what was up with that? I don't know. Yeah. I think blue was working for one company and then another company just said, well, if it works for them, we should try it too. Uh, there's a lot of following uh, in food. And uh, it's funny because like so much of what we do is the opposite of that. We're like, well, we really need to stand out. So, right, right. Uh, if anything, like we're trying to do the exact opposite. It seems so pretty often. simple to like stand out on a shelf, but I guess did you take into account that there were buyers at major uh, retailers at major grocery stores who maybe wouldn't take a shot and like an orange pasta, um, orange box pasta? Yeah, I, I, I think that the decision tree was always consumer first, and then yeah. uh, assuming that what we were doing was serving the people who are actually buying our products. Then the retailer would follow suit. Uh, and it, it happened to be that, um, you know, we had some good initial traction and we were always able to leverage that to get more opportunities. Um, but yeah, it was also like we had a ton of rejection. We had a ton of um, retailers who said, yeah, maybe I'll carry it, but, you know, I'm only taking one item and it'll be, you know, maybe rotini. I'll put it on the yeah. bottom shelf. <clears throat> and then we'd have to walk away from those opportunities because we knew immediately that that would fail. Uh, like there, in order to stand out, it can't just be an orange package. It has to be a brand block, um, multiple items placed next to other items that are similar. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been a journey. Um, but yeah. And then even when a retailer accepts you, the work is just beginning. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, so. it's so much, so much rejection, but a company that didn't reject you was Meyer, yeah. and I have to, you know, I got a lot of love from Meyer. It's my grocery store growing up. In right, Michigan. you said Kalamazoo, right? Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. yeah, it's my guy, and and they took the shot. What was that call like? Yeah, uh, so we had a pretty crazy early uh, uh, journey. So um, September of 2013, I started making the product in my kitchen. October 2013, I. 
uh, did a crowdfunding campaign similar to Kickstarter, mm. uh, and in that month convinced my brother to to join me on this journey. Uh, so we're actually co-founders, which has uh, <laughs> been amazing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, crowdfunding campaign finished in December. That's 10 years ago you launched yeah. it. Yeah. Like literally, wow. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Uh, I was 23 at the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it, it's been... Uh, it's been a journey. So yeah, uh, 10 years ago, um, December, uh, we finished the crowdfunding campaign. January, we formed the business, like officially. We were like, okay, crowdfunding campaign went well enough. Let's let's do this thing. Uh, two days later, we heard from a reality TV show uh, that was a lot like Shark Tank. Uh, we, film, we filmed for the reality TV show in March, and uh, it went well to the point where we w- were able to leverage the momentum from that. And uh, I was just doing literally anything and everything to get the word out. Um, I did like four or five pitch competitions. Holy cow. Yeah, just Damn. like nonstop. Uh, because if it wasn't going to work, I think I just wanted to know, right? And so um, it was very, in retrospect, like totally fearless, um, which um, I don't know if I have that same level of fearless now. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, it, it was, uh, I guess, you know, 23 felt like I guess I had nothing to lose. Um, and uh and not a you didn't have a cap table you had like friends and family crowdfunders just just that tv so show at that point you literally yeah. didn't have much to lose i mean you didn't yeah have like a ton of yeah. investors you know exactly um and, and so uh we did a pitch competition and one of the judges had a connection at meyer uh, because it was in michigan where i was based and meyer loves to support local businesses they connected us and uh i feel like it was the most embarrassing thing that I just like completely misunderstood so many of his emails because I knew nothing about grocery. Were uh, you like literally Googling terms in the email? I was Googling, but I guess I should have Googled more because he said, let's do a call. And uh, I don't know, maybe a call. In, and when I think about it, I'm like, there must have been phrased in a way where call somehow meant actually be there in person. So uh, which as I think about it, like how? But uh, you assumed it was a telephone call. I assumed it was a telephone yeah. call. And uh, I called him. He's like, you're supposed to be here. I was like, okay. Uh, so uh, anyway, showed up the next day. He was nice enough to, to fit me in. And uh, then in that meeting, we still didn't have packaging. I brought pasta in a plastic bag. And uh, I was like, hey, here's our story. We just went on this TV show. Uh, we would be so excited to work with you in like two or three stores just to test it out, see how it goes, maybe learn a little bit along the way. And he was like, that's great. I'm really excited about this. I'm going to carry it in all my stores. And I was like, well, what if we didn't do that? He's like, no, no, no. I, the only way this is happening, it's all stores. He, like, he, he knew what he needed for yeah. his customers. And that's a probably what, how many, like 30 stores? Uh, no, Meyer is 200, was what? 215 at the time. Oh my God. I, I'm, I'm so sorry, Meyer. I, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. And, and so it was uh, a little scary. We had to very quickly figure out how to scale the product beyond what we were doing, which was mostly in my kitchen. And we had a ton of, which we can talk about, a ton of issues uh, trying to scale. But yeah, um, yeah, a lot of it was just like leveraging momentum uh, constantly in order to um, get in front of people. How did you fill that order in terms of the capital? Like, did you have to actually go to um, an investor group or did you go to the bank? Did you go to institutions? So we, we were fortunate to have raised uh, between the crowdfunding campaign and on the TV show uh, enough money to get started. That's cool. Um, but 
it was tight. And when we had production issues, uh, because the product didn't scale very nicely from from kitchen to, to scale, uh, it got really, really scary. And there were definitely moments where I thought the company might not survive um, because yeah. uh, we had burned through basically all that money uh, very quickly in bad production runs. Um, so... Uh, yeah, that summer was absolutely awful, um, but gratefully we figured it out. Uh, that TV show aired August 5th of 2014. Uh, we were in Meyer a few days after that. Uh, and in, in part of the TV show, one of the investors uh, was also a part owner in Italy uh, and was able to get us into Italy. So we launched in oh, like wow. two very different stores, uh, Meyer and Italy. Uh, and it you was, can make it in both. You can make it in America. That was the thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> totally. That was the hope because uh, it was like we want to be everywhere pasta is. So um, if if we can be in Meyer and Italy, like that's the most premium and the most yeah. mass. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's true. Brian, we're here in 2023, and you are in 25,000 stores, and over 10 million customers consider Bonza their guy, I'll say. And also, you're the top five pasta companies. There's four of them. They probably have blue boxes. They're over. All of them are over 100 years old, and then there's you. And so this journey to that is remarkable, and we're not doing like a six-hour podcast. It probably could be. Um, But I want to like fast forward to now, and- let me ask you this pointed question. You know, how do you keep growing? Because yeah. it seems like that is something that's essential for a, a food company right now. Yeah. Um, is it possible? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you get larger, I think it does get harder to grow the same percentage year over year. You know, it, it growing 100% year over year was, was doable when we were smaller. Um, but yeah, I think at this point, um, you know, it's not like growth at all costs either. Um, we are really particular about building our business the right way um, and not sacrificing on the things that we care about. So, you know, going back to the mission of uh, inspiring people to eat more beans, uh, you know, they're one of the best ingredients for human health and the environment, and we just don't eat enough of them. Uh, and uh, if we were to be obsessed with growth uh, at all costs, there are plenty of ways you could spin that mission and, you know, sacrifice on human health or the environment in one way or another. Um, you know, we could grow our pizza line by making a pepperoni pizza, um, but ethically we made the call to not use meat. Um, and so, uh, yes, growth is important, but I think doing it responsibly uh, and and ultimately um, thinking about what will set ourselves up to be a, you know, hopefully thriving business in 20 to 30 years, not just a fast-growing business today, mm-hmm. uh, I think is is going to be the right strategy. Yeah. So and you, you talk about the mix of products. You, you you have pizza, which I like a lot. You have you have waffles for breakfast. Yeah. So you're in like all meals of the day, which is cool. Um, but back to the pasta, like the shapes, that's essential, right? So you have like rutini, you have cavatelli. Mm-hmm. How do you like think about the growth of pasta shapes Sorry, you know we talked to cookbook authors about obscure pasta shapes uh, they're the most fun isn't that fun so how do you actually <laughs> come up with the new pasta shapes uh to be presented on shelves yeah uh a, a few a few different things come to mind one i love obscure pasta shapes they're the most fun uh second um the top pasta shapes do drive the like disproportionate amount of volume but it's the long tail that i think 
helps us really build the narrative that we are a true uh, player yeah. <laughs> on the shelf, right? Uh, and uh, I think it is so exciting for people with food allergies to have access to some of these shapes. Like we made the first uh, commercially available bucatini recently, and that is a really fun shape. Uh, yeah. pe- people love bucatini. There was like the, an obsession with the bucatini shortage in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really special that we we self-manufacture. We have the ability to make shapes that otherwise a lot of companies would probably look at their P&L and say, well, that's not going to drive a lot of volume. And, you know, it's not a good use of line time. But I think with this broader um, uh, thought process around what it means to have a, a a true uh, position on shelf uh, and and an opportunity to sit next to uh, the traditional blue box with every single shape that they have too. Um, there's there's a lot more work to do. Um, even though Bucatini might feel like an obscure shape, it, there's a long list. Mm. Well, uh, you also create mini buzz moments when you release products, and that's yeah. that's part of the special sauce for for CBG right now. Yeah. And it's like having that big moment on social Instagram stories needs to blow up somehow. You need to have like that buzz moment on like in like the places like you know Erwan and a Foxtrot and like those kind of indie cooler retailers you got to like have a little pop there right yeah. so it's like you're thinking about um these moments these buzz moments and i think the obscure pasta shape is like the best way to do that yeah yeah i'm totally with you um and uh for so long we could not keep up with demand which is like the better problem to have than the other one um but we were unable to do a lot of those obscure pasta shapes just because our plant couldn't keep up. Right. Uh, but now, gratefully, we're in a position to be able to experiment more, uh, try more playful shapes. And uh, I would just say stay on the lookout. You know, we'll, we'll hopefully be doing more soon. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a cool uh, trajectory. And, and I just want to see that that orange wave take over. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm, you know, not to get personal, but I'm not gluten intolerant. I, I love pasta. I eat a ton of pasta. But I, for me, Bonza just represents kind of a different style of pasta, yep. meaning that I can just eat a lot of it yep. and and feel a little better. This is not paid. Let's be clear. I should have said that at the start. <laughs> I, li- I just like this product, so I wanted to have you in. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that means a lot. I mean, we, uh, I think of all the things that we do, um, product is the number one, right? Uh, that's that's the thing that we're, um, people are actually consuming. Uh, so it's, uh, we take it very seriously and it's, it's, very high on the priority list, and I'm really happy to hear that you're enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, that's ab- awesome. Absolutely. So let's talk about QSR, quick service restaurants. I just have to think that there is a way to do a Bonza QSR. That'd be so fun. I mean, Mark Ladner <laughs> tried it. You know, it would be fun. Mark Ladner tried it with Pasta Flyer, and, you know, I wish that would have worked because I think, I think of QSR and pasta being so great. Like, yeah. I think of, like, Fazoli's, this great brand from the Midwest. But have you done the deck? Is there, like, like a Bonza <laughs> store uh, QSR opportunity? Maybe in our dreams. Uh, I, I think it's also a really hard business. Of course. And I have so much respect for the restaurant industry, especially everything that's gone on in these last few years. Um, but it is, uh, it's an interesting opportunity at some point. I mean, we could in theory have breakfast with waffles, yeah. we have, uh, lunch and dinner with pizza and pasta, a little mac and cheese in the middle. Um, but, uh, I think for now, um, you know, we really have to stay focused on what we're doing and doing well and, um, let the, the experts in yeah. that space, uh, really take it on. We've also had people who have reached out to us who want to do, a QSR centered around Bonza, um, but I, I, you know, I think it, it, it's uh, it's really hard to do, and a lot yeah. of them I haven't seen actually come to fruition. Yeah. So, um, I, I I think for 
for now, staying focused, but also continuing to partner with people who are seeing success on the food service landscape. Like we have a few partners who carry us as you a, do food service. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, where um, it's not our brand at, at the door, but um, you know, we're an item on the menu, and uh, I think that's super exciting. And uh, we're very grateful for the folks who have who have already started to carry us. Yeah, I feel. I feel like I would I would love to see that iteration, like a live version of Bonza come, yeah. come to life. It'd be really cool. Is there a pasta shape that doesn't work with with your formula? <sighs> it used to be Bucatini. <laughs> really? That was the grail? I yeah, it. that that actually was. Like, I used to troll our head of manufacturing and be like, oh, we sold Bucatini into Whole Foods. You got to figure out how to make it right now. <laughs> and he would, like, flip out. He'd be like, you did what? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, it was always just like a funny joke. And then at some point, um, you know, we we figured it out, which was like uh, such a cool moment internally, right? Like just to feel like we had made so much progress in understanding manufacturing. So yeah, um, yeah, I think that was that was the hardest one. And I think it's it. it you so can, you can do you can do some you do lasagna sheets, right? Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we're thought, we're, yeah, there, there might be some. I thought for some reason coming. you had it already. Oh. We we did in the past. Okay, it was it was a pain to make. Yeah, and uh, we had to, especially with some of the um challenges of keeping up with demand. It was one of the ones that we had to um put on hold. Um, but it's gonna make a comeback. I mean, there's so many different products we could talk about. I feel <laughs> I feel like you know it's it's such a fun conversation. I mean. I'll but, talk pasta shapes all day. Yeah, we can yeah. all day. <laughs> Let me ask you, though, about Blue Apron. I feel like Blue Apron and some of the boxes, yeah. like that's how Bonza got into the hands of people. Yeah. Talk, talk about those. Because, I mean, Blue Apron's like kind of nothing now, unfortunately. It's, it's kind of gone to zero. But, I mean, it's unfortunate because it helped a lot of brands. And I think your yeah. brand was probably really helped by Blue Apron. Mm-hmm. So you're you're totally right. And uh, I think that's one of the benefits of, um, you know, our, our product uh, is it's shelf stable. It's easy to ship. uh, It's easy to work with. But some of those partners that took a chance on us, um, you know, just like in food service, like it's a de facto endorsement to be Mm -hmm. in Blue Apron, to be in uh, Hungry Root, uh, which which I love. That's Um, my guy. That's uh, had the founder on the show. And I listened uh, to it. I saw I heard Ben give me a shout out. I was like, Oh my God, Ben, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's, it's, I'm still a subscriber. I like Hungry Root a lot. Yeah. yeah um, and some, I mean, some of those uh, uh, boxes have, have had, you know, a really positive impact on our business in, in ways that are not always uh, revenue, but just like, yeah. again, that de facto endorsement, uh, what it means to be in those, in those boxes. Yeah. So uh, we're very grateful. It's cool that you say that. I think we will have a moment when we remember Blue Apron in a in a way that I think is positive. You know, oh, yeah. it sucks that it ended up like this. And I, I mean, they were just sold to another company. So yeah. we'll see if if they can pull it out there. But yeah, I think I like I like this idea of it being like a cosign. And yep. you know, what do you think about like grocery media is bigger than ever? It seems yeah. it feels like you know, like guys, uh, you know, uh, p- newsletters uh, like Snack Shop from Andrea and another. Oh ones, yeah, Love they're that. like very. Like it's big. I mean, it's awesome. people read that stuff now. I read it. I mean, uh, I I think it's great. And um, for me personally, to have more content to consume is uh, is very fun because I think in the past it was you know no no knock on like supermarket news, but um, you know it, it's definitely oriented towards the retailer and it's like very inside baseball. These are more consumer facing, and I just I think the language, especially Andrea's. Uh, very fun. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm all for it. 
Yeah, I'm I'm all for it too. And I, I think it's it's we love grocery shopping as a culture. Like, <laughs> you know, unless we don't, and many listeners are probably turning off the podcast right now because they don't they disagree. They, they disagree with that vehemently, and then <laughs> they're like, "Man, I hate food." I'm like 35 minutes into a, an, a, an interview with the about guy. food. Yeah, yeah, and I hate food. No, but yeah. I think it's not just this audience. I think a lot of people just enjoy going to the grocery store. It's like yeah. discovery. It's like thinking about your week. It's thinking about better health. It's thinking about indulgence. It's a, such a fun thing to go grocery shopping. So to have a media companies and these these small indie media companies like cover it so cool like nate rosens is great too i love that guy. It's like it's just like really nice to see i totally agree let's talk about your home kitchen i think it's important to note that bonza is only part of the equation yeah. you gotta make the sauce you gotta make something to go with it so yeah. let me ask you because you clearly are a home cook you created bonza in your home kitchen yeah. what kind of sauces are you doing what kind of like what kind of dishes are you doing with bonza uh i have to admit I, I love Rayos. I use it all the time. It's great. It's it, yeah, it is. Uh, I go through so much Rayos. Yeah. Uh, I also I do like Victoria. Um, I, I I think they are um, they're quite good as well. Um, and uh, also the Carbone sauce. I don't know. I like I like every brand that that likes Bonza. I guess uh, because we've done so many partnerships with all of those companies. Right. Um, but I do use them, and uh, I think that they are the first ones that come to mind. Um, but yeah, I, I also um, will sometimes not just use a jar, and uh, we'll, we'll follow a recipe. So Brian, I have to ask you, we're at Penguin Random House. We publish cookbooks from many different sources. Yeah. Has there been thought about a Bonza cookbook? <laughs> uh, not yet. No. Uh, I, I, I think it could be kind of fun, um, but I, I, and I love cookbooks. I, yeah. mean, I have a ton. Uh, my, my grandma had so many cookbooks. Oh my goodness. Um, so, and, and I've been fortunate to, uh, you know, be able to um, take some from her as sort of like a memory yeah. uh, and, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think it would be a really special thing to do, but uh, it's not. It's not in the works, but. It's not in the works, yeah. no. Yeah. It's interesting. I think the brand is strong and you have a point of view and you think you think deeply about pasta. Yeah. Why not? We're just, we're just, we're just riffing here. We're just you guys, riffing. You guys riffing at it. Yeah. You know, on the, on the <laughs> fifth floor of, a, of, of the, the, the headquarters of Penguin Random House. We're just riffing. I love it. I love All it. Right. On This Is Taste, we ask guests about the discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid fire, fast and furious taste check. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Garlic bread or garlic knots? Garlic bread. Good choice. Your favorite Italian restaurant in America? <gasps> uh, I'll just say that we have a partnership coming with a awesome one. And uh, as soon as it comes to fruition, uh, they will be my favorite. Is it Olive Garden? No, that would be amazing. Though. <laughs> I love Olive Garden. That would yeah. also be an amazing answer. Oh, my goodness. We have uh, this small little like local spot called Olive Garden. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right, I'll, I'll watch for that. Yeah, yeah. The best dessert. Uh, this might be a little controversial. Uh, I really enjoy yogurt with berries and uh, peanut butter uh, and granola for dessert, which at first I thought was really weird. And then I found out that it's actually very common in France. Because uh, yeah. so it's it, great yogurt. Yeah, yeah. And it's like 5% yogurt. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, guess, I guess it's normal. Uh, oh, but for a while, I was like, maybe this is just a quirky thing I enjoy. <laughs> the best bread. Ooh. Uh, well, I can't eat gluten. Exactly. So, it's, uh, it's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. Um, uh, I might have to pass just because it's been, I mean, I love challah. I used to eat so much yeah. challah. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll stick with challah even though I miss it dearly. So <laughs> the question, 
million dollar question or many more. Does Bonza do bread eventually? Uh, we've played around with some things. Uh, it, it, it exists. I don't know what we'll do with it. It's probably a toy. I mean, it's a different section of the grocery Everything store. Everything about it. Yeah. We, yeah. We, as we learn more about the opportunity, we sort of recognized it. It might not be the most obvious thing for us to do, um, but we've definitely toyed around with the, the product concept and it's, it was more doable than I would have expected. The most creative application for chickpeas that you've seen? There are a lot of chickpea products these days. Maybe I'll give I'll give Ben a shout out since he gave me a shout out. Yeah. I think the the the, um, the hunger root cookie dough is is actually awesome. It is uh, so truly. I'll, I'll I'll go with that. Great call. I love that stuff. Yeah. Your favorite grocery store national chain oh category. God. I'm gonna get in trouble probably for answering this question, but let, let's see. Um, right now. Um, is probably Whole Foods. Um, they've been such good partners to us, and we continue to you know bring new things to market with them. So I think it's probably it, it, it makes sense. They 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 love you guys, and it, it fits into their ethos quite well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is a really fun place to shop, and they do have really amazing produce. Um, you know, I, I consistently get the um, what is it, the Japanese sweet potatoes there, and they are. So good. Oh my God. I can't find them anywhere else. Just throw so. them in the oven for what, 20, 30 minutes? Yeah. 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 So uh, I, it's not just a self serving answer. I actually do. Uh, I actually do really like. You're a, a customer. I am a customer. <laughs> Your favorite grocery store, we'll call it quirky or one off edition. Ooh. Uh, favorite one off. It's not really a one off uh, because I know that they are a chain, uh, but uh, Market Basket is awesome um they're so quirky in that they like never update their stores um <laughs> a lot of them haven't been touched since the 70s uh but they have as a result it sort of sends this signal like we are just investing in getting you the best price like these store redesigns that's fun but like all we care about is stack them high let them fly we're gonna build right. these displays and they're gonna be at the best price you've ever seen um, it also has a crazy story. Um, these uh, brothers who have uh, fought and uh, family members who have fought. And, you know, it's a very entertaining read if, if you come across it. But there's um, a story about it. Uh, yeah, about their, yeah, yeah. 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 There's a, I think there's a Harvard Business Review case on it. But it, this, I mean, Market Basket is unbelievably successful uh, and they're great operators. Uh, and I, I love that there's just like a little bit of chaos thrown in there, too. Oh, I love that. So <laughs> yeah. they're like not necessarily thinking about like the, how the end caps look. They don't need to look perfect. Uh, they do look pretty good. Okay. Uh, but I think that um, it's it's more like. You know, the store designs are the store designs. Yeah, uh, it. It, it, They don't have Retro. very modern signage and things like that. Yeah, it, and it it really does send that signal, like, you know what, where everything comes back to price. Do they uh, have Phil Collins on the music? <laughs> probably. <Nice. laughs> I, I got a market basket. What states? I don't, I don't know this one. Uh, New England. Yeah. Uh, so they're um, New Hampshire, Maine. Um, they're definitely Massachusetts. Um, but... Yeah, I'd recommend it. All right. I yeah. love this. Couple yeah. more. Your favorite place to visit for food. It could be a country, it could be a state. Ooh. Uh I love tacos. So I'm gonna go with uh Mexico broadly. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I it's also for someone with food allergies, I it feels like such a safe haven because yeah. everything's tacos. Um, but uh yeah, I I really enjoy Mexican food. So does Bonza cross over into Mexican food at some point? Uh, that would be wild. Uh, I don't know if it's the first thing we do. Um, Probably not. Yeah. But uh, we're riffing here. You never. Yeah, we're riffing. <laughs> yeah, we're just riffing here. You've been a great sport. Yeah, Last yeah. one. Your favorite sandwich? Uh, peanut butter and jelly. Okay, let's go there. So 
<laughs> gluten-free bread, obviously. Are you? Do you have a brand of gluten-free you go with? Uh, I do. Um, I usually go with um, Canyon Bakehouse is, is quite good. Definitely. Um, and then base culture, depending on if I'm aiming for healthy or if I'm aiming for just like most delicious bread. Um, they both kind of serve different purposes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so what's the jelly choice? Ooh. Uh, I think jelly is actually also like a pretty underrated thing. For sure. Because there are there, there are so many different uh, amazing jellies that can also be tied to like core memories. Um, and uh, we're, we just stocked up on uh, a whole bunch of different jellies. Uh, and I think we're using like a um, – it's a lingonberry yeah, <laughs> jelly nice. right now. Uh, mostly just for fun. Um, uh, but yeah, and also my dad makes his own jelly, which is so funny. He loves just taking like soon to soon to go uh, fruit and microwaving it and and turning it into what is basically like freezer jelly. jam kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's like obsessed with tinkering. I probably uh, inherited that from him. And um, then the last question is: it, Is it industrial peanut butter or is it ooh. like fancy organic? Uh, I think there's a place for both. Great. Uh, yeah. I do actually like Justin's, uh, peanut butter. Yeah. It's good. Um, and, uh, I think it's like on the natural side, but still really, uh, homogenized. Like it, it is, uh, it, sometimes natural peanut butter, like the separation is just too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it's funky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like they're a really interesting mix of like still very enjoyable, but mostly clean label. And then, yeah, like. Jeff and Skippy are delicious. So good. <laughs> yeah. Brian Rudolph, thank you so much for joining This Is Taste. Yeah, great. thanks for having me. It's tons of fun. This Is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 